And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Busy day ahead. Inflation, what will the Fed do? And will they announce that they will stop? <laughs> now, that's really interesting because, you know, we saw that over the last couple of days, they're expected to, uh, you know, raise the interest rate again and then indicate whether this is it or not, just as gas prices or oil prices are starting to skyrocket and gasoline prices, too. I know yesterday was the fastest day of increasing gas prices in the last year. And I know where, again, I'm not making a, uh, an overall judgment because everybody didn't experience what I did at my local gas stations, but uh, they went up 50 cents in a week. And so one of the dis- parts of discussion now is China's economy starting to heat up and will it continue to heat up? Will they, because they have the central plan government, throw a massive amount of stimulus which, by the way, may help you temporarily, but it always hurts you long term, whether you're China or the United States, when government stimulus goes in because you take capital. How do you get that capital? You either print the money, right, mm-hmm. or you take it away from productive purposes. And so, but uh, China, you know, looking at their economy right now, uh, many believe that, okay, they're going to use stimulus, and at that point, more oil is going to be used. Uh, and that is what we're, you know, that's what we're dealing with right now. And so when you look at that, when you look at the price of shelter is still high. And if the price of oil goes up to 90 to $95 a barrel, how will it affect everything that is made from oil products and the transportation of goods? The uh, the focus, especially on, on rent as uh, rent has really... Uh, uh, ramped up. You look at the GDP, or not the GDP, but you look at at uh, at inflation and uh, the CPI numbers, and there is a there's a lag with real time rent amounts and what we get from 
in the inflation numbers every month. And there's been more talk. There was a, a, a the CEO of a corporation that owns a lot of apartment buildings, and they look at that themselves, obviously, and watch it in real time. And since he spoke months ago, there's been an increase in the chatter surrounding rent. And I think a lot of it is anecdotal, not anecdotal, but it's it comes from renters, people who are having to pay it every month, and then it is on social media and it's everything else. And But you see where these major costs are hitting because, as you mentioned, uh, uh, the word shelter, food, shelter, the, there, and then energy. Those are your basics. And when they continue to rise, I saw another one, uh, another story, too, about um, auto loans and the number of delinquencies with auto loans and, you know, interest rates going up. It's becoming harder and harder to get a loan, uh, harder and harder to keep up with a loan if the interest rates are going up. The price of cars is going up dramatically. And so then all of that uh, culminates in a, you know, a very uh, real situation that is not going away. Even if the rate of inflation drops, um, there are many analysts right now that believe that's only temporary, that we're going to see another rise because energy costs will start to come up again. Rent costs will start hitting the, those CPI numbers every month. You know, as I mentioned, they were lagging, but but eventually they're going to hit those numbers uh, and affect those numbers as well. And and then labor inflation. Labor inflation is something um, that a lot of economists may talk about, but it's something that's very real. I was in uh, a restaurant uh, this past weekend, Saturday, and everything was on one side of the restaurant. There were no tables seated on, I mean, they just split it down the middle, and everyone was being seated in one side of the restaurant. Now, I don't know what they do in the evening. This was uh, mid-afternoon, so it wasn't the busiest time for a restaurant, but it was still pretty busy, and people were coming in, and they were waiting on a table, and there were half of the tables there in the restaurant that weren't being used because they don't have the staff. Uh, the costs are going up. You're having to incentivize labor in a greater way there's only one way to do that and that's that's where we are and i don't i don't know how you know what the fed is looking at because the fed is not going to they don't have (laughs) by any stretch they don't have a crystal ball and they don't have that ability with even with the data that they have it is hard to predict what people are going to do and how they're going to adjust, how they're going to be able to navigate, you know, like renters right now, the, you know, the, the trend te- tends to be a number of things, move in with your parents or a relative, uh, move in with a roommate or three and do what you can to make ends meet. But basically more people under one roof and that will start to have an effect long-term if that remains to be the, you know, the case, and it varies region by region, where we are right now, we're still trying to keep up with the number of people coming into this area of North Texas. There's still growth going on. 
And so housing is still there. Commercial real estate, not so much. But housing, that's well, something that's, you know, you know still I, uh, the cost of houses are still going up. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. So we talked a little bit yesterday about labor inflation, which is a concern. So you've got labor inflation. You've got now the concern of gas prices and petroleum products, everything, you know, uh, continuing to go up, Mm -hmm. rent going up and the cost of goods of everything as transportation gets more expensive. Hey, think about it. UPS just struck a new deal. That means more money, Uh, right? Mm -hmm. More money, which, uh, again, when we when we now depend on shipping more than ever. Yeah. I mean, it really, the the culture has completely changed. How do I know this? Because I'm that culture. What? I have to get up and go to the store? Oh, wait a minute. That can be delivered, can't? That mindset, that if, if I have it at my age, how many people is, you know, never really went shopping? Mm-hmm. Think about it. How many people really have just become so used to bringing stuff to the door. You know, if you're 25, 26 years old, you may have really never gone shopping much. Everything may have just come to your door. And so you look at, you know, those types of of uh, of, uh, of that type of demand that exists out there, which is why there was so much fear that if UPS went on strike, uh-oh, uh, but they didn't, they, they got a deal done. But you look at all those things together and it's like, you know, I just hope, because I do remember, uh, I am old enough to remember <laughs> mm. uh, the inflation of the 70s. It just didn't go away. There'd be dips, and they thought they had a cure, and then, boom, it comes back again. And I hope we don't see this because I believe people have suffered enough, but it really doesn't matter. My thoughts or my wishes have nothing to do with it. It's the cold, hard reality of the economic situation that we're in right now, and I can't change it, mm-hmm. even if I don't like it. I can't change it. You can't change it. Uh, you know, government policy. Well, government policy is what got us here to begin with. What they'll do in the future, still to be seen. But when you look at 
everything that we face now. Um, yeah, it's worried because we don't people don't have, you know, we talk about the fact uh, that the money from covid, you know, we're in the summer now. That's when they expect it all to run out. You see credit card balances skyrocketing right mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, car loans uh, delinquency is uh, is going up and the things that we need most energy and shelter may be leading the way again yeah and when they say housing is shelter excuse me not just how shelter is 40% of cpi yeah right and, and then and then gasoline prices go up and that was one of the concerns well maybe core inflation will come down a little bit but the rest of the inflation will skyrocket again and people really, let's be honest, I don't mean to be blunt, but people don't give a damn between core inflation and regular CPI. All that matters is, is it getting more expensive for me? Well, the only numbers that, that matter are what's happening in, in your own bank account and mm-hmm. what's not happening. And there is only so much you can do. And so we're at a point right now where this isn't, you know, this is not growth. This is not the expansion of an economy. This is the consumer struggling to tread water, if that. And at some point, something has to give. Because we went from, and it was Jamie Dimon who pointed this out, and others did it, but he was very specific in saying, we're going to get to the summer of 23, and by the end of the summer of 23, any savings that anybody had is going to be gone. Well, then you see the added increase in credit limits. You get to a point, and and people really don't, I mean, if you're struggling, the last thing you'll pay is your credit card. You keep the lights on. You keep the shelter there. you got to make your car payment or gasoline in the car, whatever it's going to be. And credit card becomes the last or thing. Even, so those balances remain right. high, and then defaults start start right. to go into play. Or, or even worse, you just you continue to pay your month. You know, you weren't paying monthly. Mm-hmm. You may be paying your balance off every month, or mm-hmm. you know, taking huge chunks. If I, you know, I don't know if you if your if your balance is three thousand dollars, maybe you'll take four months to pay it off. Mm-hmm. But now you're going to the minimum payments, and now. You're taking more money out each and every month. A lot mm-hmm. of people find themselves in that. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm just going to pay the minimum payment then and just mm-hmm. see how long I can last. And then when mm-hmm. you can't make the minimum payment, but it is the last one. It is the one where you have most flexibility. Mm-hmm. You know, my, the car payment, you got to make. Yeah. You know, you got to make that. But you do have, you know, because a lot of people will pay off more. Because credit card balances, you can have a ton of credit card balance. And you look at the actual monthly payment because it'll take you 90 years to pay it off mm-hmm. and the if you're paying that interest every month credit card company is going to love that and you're staying current and if you've got a pretty you know nice size credit line you can man that that's the part when i used to uh, be a bill collector that's what i saw yep you saw yeah, that and then sure. you get to the point and you can see it over the period if you look at people's you know credit card record as we used to do and you used to see, well, they had a pretty low balance. And no, they were paying their monthly payment. Or no, they were paying their balance off. And all of a sudden, you can see it over a period of years get worse and worse and worse. Mm-hmm. And that's a terrible place to be. Yeah. 
And over and over again, uh, and then default on something like that isn't like anything that can be repossessed. It's bad on your credit. Yes. But that's not something you're concerned about. You're most concerned about shelter and food. Yeah, I still got my stuff. Yep. I everything I used on my credit card, I still got it. Right. Yeah, and if it yeah. was, you know, if you used it to for whatever, I mean, it's that's going to be that's not going to be the priority. It rarely is. All I can hope is that they don't allow you to buy weed on credit card. Probably do. <laughs> it's funny because I've noticed a, a lot of um uh, my cell phone provider sent out a letter if you're on the uh, automated payment, which you get a discount for, from my provider. Then you can no longer do that on credit card. Mine was coming from my bank, but I thought, well, why are they? Oh, because they paid the interchange fee to the credit card company. So they'll give you the break on it. Right. So if you want to get the discount, you're going to have to switch it to your debit card or to your bank account. So, you know, uh, everybody basically, yeah, so basically everybody is in that situation. Companies right now are looking, yesterday we talked about um, shrinkflation. (laughs) And that's the smaller items you're getting for the same money. Uh, There's been the long-running joke of the, um, and even discussion, on the gallon of half a gallon of ice cream, and well, it's not really a half gallon. It's blah blah blah. That's been going on for years. Right now, it's blatant, and it's happening with fast food. It's happening on the value menu. And when you see that, that's when you know. All right, mm-hmm. everybody's making that adjustment. At the, some point, there is a threshold. By the way, the weed reference was just uh, in reference to Eric earlier again saying, "Everybody's high." Yeah, that's only because everybody's hot. <laughs> After we look at how people's lack of critical thinking skills, what other conclusion can we come to? Yeah, they're all smoking weed. 866-90-RED-EYE. Well over a month in much of the southern plains and desert southwest of extreme heat. And that has obviously taken a toll on some summer crops, non-irrigated agriculture, and rangeland and pastures. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says perhaps the poster site for these weather conditions, Phoenix, Arizona. We have now racked up through July 24th a string of 25 consecutive days in Phoenix, Arizona, where the high temperature has been 110 degrees or higher. That easily breaks that city's old record, which had been 18 days, set back in June of 1974. In addition, nighttime relief from the heat has been minimal. Again, looking at Phoenix. Back on July 19th, we saw a minimum temperature of 97 degrees in Phoenix. That was a station all-time record high minimum. With western heat now expanding into places like California, the Great Basin, and the Pacific Northwest. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. This report is made possible by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Diesel and Sitco Lubricants. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio.
It's Friday Radio. He's our Carly and I'm Gary McNamara. Hunter Biden and the plea deal. Well, the hearing will be uh, today. Lots to talk about uh, on that. We'll get to that following the bottom of the hour. Uh, I just, uh, Eric and I did this earlier in the show, but uh, we know a lot of people are just waking up right now. And, uh, you know, why not? Why not take you off early, right? Yeah. <laughs> Let's get you started off on the wrong foot. So let me ask you a question because the Los Angeles Times uh, did this. In order to save the planet, because this is what the left's now talking about, how many days a week would you be willing to go without electricity? Zero. Now, if you've listened to this show, you know that we've talked about this. This is where we're headed. The left knows it's where we're headed. This is not over-the-top rhetoric by those those conservative nutbags. This is the L.A. Times, recently published a news story questioning whether occasionally blocking Americans' access to electricity would help in fighting the climate crisis. They ask you a question. Would an occasional blackout help solve climate change? No, but uh, could you get me another bottle? Maybe a blackout will... Okay. Hmm. Enough of the alcohol and drug references to solve our problems. Uh, (laughs) We need sober... The last of the sober individuals... Red Eye Radio and our listeners, maybe. Uh, Mm. But would an occasional blackout help solve climate change? Reads the headline of the story last Thursday by energy staff writer Sammy Roth. What's more important, keeping lights on 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, or solving the climate crisis? (laughs) Yeah. In 2021, the newspaper, the state's largest, published a story suggesting Americans should perhaps forego air conditioning during heat waves in order to save the earth. So the question for you is, how many days a week? One, two, zero. (laughs) Insanity. Consider yourself canceled if you don't listen nightly. Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hardy, and I'm Gary McNamara. So, I mean, what a dumb question. Think about this. This is that's what liberals now are, are doing. How how many how many days of the week would you be willing to go without electricity to save the planet? And this isn't new. They did it a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Would you be willing to go without air conditioning during a heat wave? No. No, I don't want to die. No. I I prefer to stay at at, uh, at my comfort range. And you guys kept, keep moving the goalpost in 1989, screaming, if you work in D.C. by the year 2000, you'll be taking a gondola to work. Yeah. Miami was also supposed to be gone, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, half of Florida was supposed to be underwater by now. And I was counting on it. <laughs> All right, so Hunter Biden, the plea deal today. Yeah. The, the plea deal uh, hearing, uh, really strange thing. We'll just run it through real quick uh, uh, for you. are not going to go through the 
detailed analysis because right. uh, a couple other things we want to cover here. But uh, what happened uh, yesterday was just mind boggling. And I, I think it's going to be a, it's going to be, you know, bigger in the news today because it happened last night. So you're going to hear a lot uh, of it. And this is where uh, the House Ways and Means Committee sent information, an amicus brief to the judge uh, in the Hunter Biden case saying, don't do the plea deal. Here are the reasons why. Here's what's going on in this investigation. And they said, you can't do it. It's a miscarriage of justice. And also included the testimony of the IRS whistleblowers. So the House Ways and Means Committee sent this to the judge. Mm-hmm. The clerks, you know, you know, they get it. They sent over to them. They get mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. The lawyer for the House Ways and Means Committee later on in the afternoon yesterday, about 1.30 in the afternoon, is informed, uh, you know, notice to the clerk, you've, you know, you've rescinded it. Uh, you don't want to, you know, the uh, it's not going to be a part of the docket now. And he's like, what in the world are they talking about? And he gets it back in contact. He goes, what are you talking about? They go, well, you rescinded, you know, the information, the amicus brief. He goes, no, I didn't. They go, no, somebody called from your office and rescinded it. Was nobody from my office who did that? What are you talking about? Uh, and he said, keep it there. And they go, sorry, you've got to refile. So he did right there, right at that point. Mm. He refiled. And so they were communicating because what in the world happened? And they said, well, this woman called and stated that she was from your office and said we wanted gone. And so I'm not sure if she works for the she works for the uh, former law firm of Hunter Biden's friend. Was it Chris Clark? Mm. And. uh he formerly worked at that law firm. Now, they said in the article in the New York Post that they talked to Hunter's lawyer, but they never said that that law firm that the woman worked for was a lawyer's firm because the lawyer's firm, his lawyer's firm, gave another reason that they objected to it, but apparently they, they you know, didn't, they claimed we didn't do it. And so it's just a complete mess. And so the judge says, I need an answer. From this. Well, the woman who actually made the call said, There's just been a miscommunication. Your clerks messed up. Yeah. That the judge's clerks messed up. And that's where we are right now. If I'm the judge in the hearing today, if she just rubber stamps this, politically, it's not going to go well for Biden, for Joe Biden. But I wouldn't be shocked if she just hits the brakes and says, there's way too much going on here. I'm sure she's going to question the law clerks. What happened here? Who's lying? What well, because, is, all right. Know, what, what's no, going- no, no, you you bring up a good point because you you start with, all right, benefit of the doubt. It's not anybody from the outside. Let's say it happened inside because that's where she would have um, and the courts would have control. We're going to have to look inside to see if th- this actually happened. You start your investigation from there. How could you not? Because this reeks of misconduct one way or the other. Yes, because what are the odds that in all the cases that are going on that the House Ways and Means Committee 
putting in an amicus brief saying, don't do the play deal of the biggest political story right now in the world. And that that is the one that they'd simply say, oh, a woman called and said we wanted it off right. and, and, yeah. and wanted yeah. it off. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. it, it's uh, it's going to be off. And it's like, what? And then it's like, well, the, the woman claims it's the clerks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, well, then you called. What did you call? For? Well, I called to say that there was, you know, that it should be taken off because, you know, there were private things. But I didn't claim that I was part of uh-huh. this because that's part. And the lawyers for Hunter said the same thing. Right. This shouldn't be put out because there's private information. They said mm-hmm. this information's all been released. None of this information has been out there for a month. We're not releasing anything new that hasn't been known for a month. But still, that would be a debate between the clerks and the House Ways and Means Committee and the right. judge on that. Right. And and so it's just... I would want a thorough investigation right. on that issue. It, 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 aside from all of the other garbage that comes from this plea deal, that is going to take precedent. I, that's going to take priority. It should. Yeah, it, it's just... It, it may not, but it should. But there isn't a step in any of this where you don't say corruption. It stinks of corruption. It stinks right. of corruption. It stinks right. of corruption. Exactly. Now, this uh, article was written. I think it was uh, either. I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before. Let me just see here. It was. Uh, it was yesterday. Hmm. Um, judge must nix Hunter Biden's plea deal to show her court won't approve blatant miscarriage of justice. Makes a great point, though. It said <laughs> Merrick Garland is a bitter partisan hack, but apparently not a bright one. His timing for giving Hunter Biden a sweetheart deal. Marks him as dumb, dumb as a rock, saying, why didn't he do it when he first took over? Right. Could have done it a long time ago during when they had the House and the Senate. Because has, had he done so before the 2022 midterms, the Post and a few other outlets would have barked uh, in the rancid uh, favor, about the, at the rancid favoritism, but the caravan of corruption would have moved on with the blessing of the Democrats running Congress and their media mouthpieces. In short order, the case would have been forgotten, in part because... So many of the incriminating details we know were still secret at that time. Mm. Instead, Garland foolishly waited until the GOP, armed with subpoena power, could demand documents from banks, protect whistleblowers, and hold hearings. As a result, GOP-led committees have demonstrated beyond doubt that the Department of Justice cooked the books. Testimony from IRS whistleblowers showed that the department lawyers obstructed investigators and withheld key evidence, including the laptop, from their probe of the president's crooked son. Garland's minions also let the statute of limitations expire on earlier tax crimes, despite having clear evidence. We also know now that the bombshell testimony came despite efforts by Garland and Christopher Ray's FBI to block it in Stonewall Congress, adding further taint to the case and everyone involved who helped the son avoid the same punishment ordinary citizens would face. Perhaps most important... DOJ lawyers blocked any questions about Joe Biden's role in the influence peddling schemes, which netted the family tens of millions of dollars. At every stage, decisions were made that benefited the subject of this investigation. Greg Shapley, the IRS agent formerly in charge of the case, told Congress. The disclosures led House Speaker Kevin McCarthy to up the ante Monday by saying the Biden family business dealings are rising to the level of an impeachment inquiry. Uh, and so the may he made the comment after my colleague Miranda Devine uh, reported that a former partner of Hunter Biden, Devin Archer, is expected to testify. In fact, Comer said it last night, Monday. Mm-hmm. 
And he goes, Joe's appearance, uh, you know, you're talking about the uh, the the phone calls that Devin Archer is going to say he was uh, involved in Joe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Joe's appearance, even if it was just a long-distance hello, would be a signal to the foreign paymasters that the big guy was in on the schemes. Right, yeah. Buying a vice, this is really interesting here, buying a vice president of the United States is not cheap or routine. So the rogue buyers from China, Ukraine, Russia, Romania, and elsewhere would want solid assurance that they would get the influence they were paying for, especially given Hunter's well-known affection for crack cocaine and prostitutes. Joe's appearance on the calls could ease their fears and convince them to open their wallets. So here we are with the sensational testimony and impeachment talk serving as a backdrop for the Wednesday hearing where Hunter's slap on the resettlement lands on the lap of a judge in Wilmington, Delaware. The process is normally a routine one where the judge, after getting affirmation that both sides agree to the terms, approves it and passes your agreed-upon sentence. That would mean probation for Hunter uh, Biden and a promise to be a good boy, pay his taxes in the future, and not own a gun. But there is an alternative, and if there is any true justice remaining, the federal district judge will seize it. Uh, She could uh, and should use her power to scuttle the deal on grounds that the punishment doesn't fit the known crimes and declare her court will not approve a blatant miscarriage of justice. That would be a bold move in any case where the parties have an agreement, and especially so because the Bidens are to Delaware what the Gaudis are to Queens. Woo. Hmm. Uh, Although uh, the judge was nominated to the federal bench by Donald Trump, she won Senate confirmation with the support of Delaware's two senators, so she also would have to set aside worries about outside pressure and even retaliation. But there's a clear precedent for her to send the parties back to the drawing board, most notably the case involving... Former Trump official General Michael Flynn. Remember Emmett Sullivan? Mm -hmm. Remember he initially rejected the case? So there you go. Well, but if you look at this, there is good reason to reject this case. Yes, there on wasn't the Flynn, on the on the Flynn right. case. Sullivan was all over the place. Well, well, I think that's what he's saying. That's yeah. why you justify. He goes. He goes into all the details. Oh, okay. that makes sense. If yeah. you're saying yeah. that, even in that craziness, that judge stepped in front of it, and it was very blatant. You know, the the deal was very uh, clear. In this case, the deal isn't, and even just to hit the brakes, even if she says. We're not going to make a decision on this today. And she hits the brakes on it. That, to me, I could see is acceptable. It would still be beyond the norm if they've come to an agreement. Because, as they point out here, she has to worry about the the uh, the effect going the other way. In other words, uh, is is she showing... Uh, politically, you know, her um, her her political bent in in one direction by by saying, no, I'm not going to accept this. Well, no matter what you do, there's going to be a a political thing because you're talking about a president of the United States son 
that directly everything leads mm-hmm. to influence peddling and the accusation of bribes yeah, that's from my point. the president. That's, that's my, that's my that, point. That, that's, that's the problem that, you know, you, you're always going to have partisans on one it's, side. It's not just well, the consideration for, for I mean, the, the consideration should be for justice. Yes. Yes. But politically, there's not just there's not a consideration that goes well, in just me, one direction. Tell me you've seen of a case that stinks oh my as gosh. much as this. No, this is this and and then with you know the whole thing on the on the filing. You know, you add to it the oh yeah New York Post story. Yeah, the Amicus brief. Yeah. yeah, I mean you just you don't get stories like this. There's such an obvious. If I'm a judge, there's such an obvious. Uh, uh, allegation of miscarriage of justice here that I'd want to I would want to cross every T dot every I and lowercase J. I, that's the that the first thing in my mind would be to get to the bottom of whatever happened with the amicus brief. That's the, the number one thing, it, and at the very yes. least, delay everything and say we're gonna we're gonna come back to this in two weeks, in thirty days, whatever. We're gonna get to the bottom of whatever happened. Because in either, it doesn't matter which direction you go in, it is misconduct. It seems to be, doesn't it? Somewhere? Yep. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. So, also, we have coming up uh, today the UFO whistleblower. Yeah, all right. Who says people told him in the Pentagon uh-huh. that there is mm-hmm. the, at least the remains uh-huh. of extraterrestrial craft that the Pentagon has. Right. Yeah, and he said a lot. There's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Right. And no president knows? Right. Okay. Ask Biden. Yeah. <laughs> what do you know about the UFOs? You know somebody's going to ask him about that. The <laughs> liberal media corruption and <laughs> UFOs? Ask him about that. <laughs> this is Red Eye Radio. On Westwood One. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. <laughs> 